Let us then this evening return to the portion of God's word that we read from the gospel according to Mark chapter 10. And we may take as our reference texts verses 47 and 48. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. These words in their context of this miracle and as the Lord would be pleased to enable us. Now, this is a very well-known miracle. It is perhaps one of the best-known miracles of the Lord Jesus. And perhaps there are some of you here who have heard dozens of sermons on this particular text. It is well-known to the children. They will all remember, as we did ourselves when we were in Sabbath school, this blind Bartimaeus, and what helped us remember was because it was rhythmic, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, the son of his father. But on this occasion, in our text, we remember him because he was crying for mercy. And so the title we give our sermon this evening is The Blind Beggar Begging for Mercy. He was a well-known character in the time of Mark. We know that because not only does he have his name, but the name of his father is mentioned. He would be well-known around those who frequented Jericho, whether it was because his father was well-known and it was Timaeus, and this is his poor son, Bartimaeus, who's begging, whether it was the circumstances of his blindness, or whether he was just that regular fixture outside the walls of Jericho, we don't quite know, but he was very, very well known. And because the Holy Spirit moved both Matthew and Mark to record this miracle in Scripture, he remains well known down through the ages, the last 2,000 years, and he will remain well known until the Lord comes again. This encounter that he had with the Lord Jesus Christ, this miracle here for our teaching, for our learning, and for our encouragement, particularly the encouragement of sinners. And we're all sinners. And we all need to be encouraged, but particularly those who are blind sinners, who are yet blind, who cannot see the loveliness of Jesus Christ. This is an encouraging text for you. So what does this miracle principally teach us? I think we could sum up in one sentence, related to what we spoke of this morning, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The principal teaching in this 
is the great need of undeserved mercy of Jesus to cure the spiritually blind. Because if you're spiritually blind, you need Jesus of Nazareth, thou son of David. You need him to have mercy upon you. Now, if you're physically blind, there's no point in going to an optician if you're physically blind. Even the best glasses won't be able to help you because you can't see. You need new eyes. You need to have your eyes fixed. You need to go and see an eye specialist, perhaps in Rigmore. You need to go and see an ophthalmologist to see whether or not your eyesight can be restored. And if you're spiritually blind, you need the heavenly ophthalmologist. You need the great physician. You need Jesus of Nazareth to help you. You need him to take on your case. You need him to cure you of your blindness, for only he has the cure. And the only way that the spiritually blind can go to Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David, is as a beggar. You go as an undeserving beggar, and you cast yourself on his mercy. You beg for his mercy. You beg for his healing. You beg for him to open your eyes so that you can see him in all his loveliness, so that you can see him in all his beauty. You hear your parents you hear your spouses, you hear all these Christians speaking about how lovely Jesus Christ is, and you can't see him. But he can heal you. And he can open your eyes. He can give you spiritual sight. The difficulty is, such is the hard heart of man. Such is the pride in the heart of man. We refuse to beg. We refuse to go as needy beggars. We want to go with something. But we need to go with empty hands. And we need to cry alone. Jesus of Nazareth, thou son of David, have mercy. So as we proceed this evening, may this prayer be on all our minds and all our lips, not just the unconverted, but the Lord's people have need of mercy, as we saw this morning. It's a most appropriate prayer for us all, particularly for the poor and needy blind sinner this evening. I want to draw four things to your attention. We had three M's this morning to help you. Remember, we have four R's for the children, for the young, and perhaps the not-so-young four R's to help you remember the points in the sermon. First of all, the beggar's reproach. Reproach means disgrace, shameful. The beggar's reproach. Blind Bartimaeus was in a most desperate condition. 
He was ignored. He was dismissed. He was left by the wayside to beg. There was no welfare system, no social work, no handouts. He was just left to beg. What a reproachful, shameful condition he was in. He was helpless. And he could do nothing to help himself. He could do nothing to cure himself. He could do nothing to improve his physical status. He could do nothing to improve his social condition. He was helpless. But not only was he helpless, all his family were helpless. If his father was still alive, Timaeus, Timaeus could do nothing to help him either. No family, no friends could help him with his blindness. They were impotent to raise one finger to help him in his blindness. And to a large extent, the world, man, were not really interested in him. All men's efforts and all his own efforts just left him as blind as he was at the beginning. He was in a helpless condition. And not only was he, a, was he in a helpless condition, his reproach was exacerbated because he was rejected. He was an outcast. He was unwanted. There he is sitting outside the gates of Jericho. Perhaps they didn't even want him in Jericho. Didn't want this poor beggar messing up the streets of Jericho. We don't want this beggar pricking our conscience. So we'll put him outside. He's a bit of an eyesore, this blind Bartimaeus. Oh, yes, they threw him coppers. They threw him pennies. They threw him scraps as he begged. <coughs> but they didn't voluntarily go and show mercy to him. They didn't embrace him. They didn't bring him into their homes. This blind beggar was beneath them. Easy to pass by, easy to ignore. So he was helpless, he was rejected, and here he sits, totally discouraged. He's abandoned. He's left. All men have failed him. And his discouragement is highlighted further because even when he heard that there was a possible cure for him passing by, such was the discouragement of men that they told him to be quiet. They tried to silence him. There in verse 48, when he first cried, have mercy me, many charged him that he should hold his peace. There's an act of discouragement going on here. In the original language, it's, it's very strong. Matthew, in his account, he uses the word rebuked. They're actually rebuking him, giving him a row. Insisting that this helpless, rejected, blind man keeps quiet. Don't raise your voice. Don't breach the peace. And that shows that they were quite happy for him to remain in his blind condition. How unmerciful. 
because we know from elsewhere in Scripture, frequently it said, and the fame of him spread abroad. The fame of who? The fame of Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David, and his healing powers, his healing miracles. And here he comes, and blind Bartimaeus is an opportunity for an encounter with this wonder-working prophet, and everyone's telling him to be quiet. They wanted him to stay out of the way, and they wanted him to stay in his blind condition. And that's what the world wants for all unconverted sinners this evening. The world wants you to stay blind. They want you to hold your peace. They want you to go with the flow. And they can't do anything to help you. And so they will encourage you to stay in your blind condition. They certainly won't encourage you to come to church. They certainly won't encourage you to do the best thing for your spiritual blindness and come under the preaching of the gospel. They'll certainly do nothing to encourage you to find your spiritual sight. Oh, the world can do wonders for the physically blind. Transplants of all kind. Eye operations of all kind. But the one who is spiritually blind, what a reproachful condition they're in. They are dead. Blind. In trespasses and sins. And looking to the world, looking for man, will only exacerbate their blindness. And no minister can help. No denomination can help. The elders can't help. External religious form can't help. And worst of all, you can't help yourself. Imagine the dangers of DIY eye surgery. Imagine trying to do something with your own eye. You wouldn't even dream of it. And so it is with the spiritually blind. You can do nothing to help yourself. You would only make your situation worse if you think you can. But we see, secondly, after the beggar's reproach, we see the beggar's resolve. <clears throat> now, we're not told when Bartimaeus became blind. We don't know much about him. Prior to this incident, we don't know how long he had been sitting, begging outside Jericho, totally dependent on the, the arms, the few pennies that were thrown to him. But as a human being, there must have surely been many times in his life as he's sitting there begging the dust from the carts and the people being blown in his face as he's sitting there some days perhaps not gathering much from his begging, that he sits and he's thinking, is this it? Is this all that my life amounts to? Coming here every day and begging, a life of blindness, a life of poverty, and then a beggar's death and thrown in a common grave. And perhaps you as a sinner, an unsaved sinner, perhaps that is what you think. You're in this cycle. Is this it? 
What does my life amount to? Well, this day, outside Jericho, blind Bartimaeus felt something perhaps he'd never felt in his life before. Hope. Hope passed by. Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, whose fame had been spread abroad, who he had perhaps heard of, and he was not going to miss this chance. He was going to seize this opportunity with both hands, so he resolved to do something. What did he do? Well, the first thing he did was that he made himself heard. He cried out in our text, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now that tells us a lot about his resolve. You note that when he obviously asked what the commotion was, and he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. There's Jesus' human name, Jesus of Nazareth. But Bartimaeus didn't cry out for Jesus of Nazareth. He cried out for the Messiah. He cried out using the divine name of Christ, the, the promised name, Jesus, thou son of David. And that reveals to us he knows what he's doing. He's crying out. For the Messiah. He recognizes who he was. He recognizes, as we read in verse 27, what he could do for God, for with God all things are possible. This man might be able to help me with my blindness. But note what he cries for. He doesn't cry for money. He doesn't cry for food. He cries out for the mercy of God in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ. Because that's what he needed. Above all things, he needed the mercy of God in Christ Jesus. So he resolved to cry out. He also resolved to persist. Despite his helplessness, despite him being discouraged by those around him, to hold his peace. Oh, blind Bartimaeus wouldn't be silenced. He wouldn't be put off from his quest. He was resolved. He was determined. His need was so great. He knew it. And he also knew this might be my one and only opportunity for an encounter with the son of David. So he acted. He did something. He didn't sit back saying, well, I'll perhaps wait for another time. I can't really do anything, or I won't do anything till he comes to me. I'll sit back and wait. No, he acted. He resolved to cry out for mercy. And not just once, you see, he persisted. It tells us he cried the more a great deal. It wasn't just once with a whisper. Blind Bartimaeus could be heard over the commotion 
of people coming in and out the gate, people following Jesus Christ, he lifts up his voice and he's heard. He did something else with resolve. Verse 50, he abandoned all lingering self-dependence. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. The garments of his begging, the symbol, he's abandoning that. I can't help myself. I'm crying out for mercy to the son of David. And you'll note in that verse, again, there's three verbs there. Children know that. Verbs are doing words. He cast away. It's the first thing he did. Then he rose. He got up from his begging position. And he came to Jesus. There's a personal responsibility. Oh, yes, we know God is totally sovereign in the salvation of sinners. But nowhere in Scripture... Will you be given warrant for sitting, doing nothing? You must have resolve. You must have the determination. I am not going to remain in my blindness, in my ignorance, in spiritual death. I will resolve to cry out for mercy. I will resolve to cast away self-dependence. I will rise and I will go to Jesus and I will cry to him, Son of David, have mercy upon me. And that's the resolve the sinner must have this evening. And the persistence, not just once, not just twice, but day after day. Because the Lord promises he will incline his ear to the prisoner's morning groan. You must never be put off. If you know this evening that you are spiritually blind, you must cry out the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The question is, do you have that resolve? Do you have that determination? We see thirdly, the beggar's reproach, the beggar's resolve we see, thirdly, the beggar's redeemer. Oh, he needed urgent help, and he found it in Jesus, his redeemer. Look how the redeemer reacted to hearing the cries of blind Bartimaeus. Thou, son of David, have mercy upon me. Well, the first thing that he did was he, he responded. Verse 49. He stood still. Now ponder this. The entrance to a city was a busy place. People coming and going all the time. And all the hustle and bustle of the city noise, Jesus stood still. Of all the noises going on, he heard the cry. He heard the cry of blind Bartimaeus 
crying for mercy, this helpless blind beggar. And he inclined his ear. All his attention was focused on blind Bartimaeus. He tarried. He waited. That's not all he did. He encouraged blind Bartimaeus in verse 49 by commanding him to be called. So Christ stands still, tarries, waits, and then focuses his attention and says, bring this man to me with authority. Bring him to me. He's crying out for mercy. He's crying out in faith. We know that from verse 52, thy faith hath made thee whole. And I will give him every encouragement to come to me. I will give him every encouragement to remind him that I receive the blind, the helpless, the maimed, the drunks, the fornicators, the blasphemers, the publicans, the sinners, the harlots. That's who I came to save. Not the righteous. Them that are whole have no need of a physician, but them that are sick, I came to heal them. So not only does he respond, not only does he encourage, but it goes a stage further that there's a personal exchange there in verse 51. He engages blind Bartimaeus. What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? You personally. I'm speaking to you and I'm asking. It's very intimate, isn't it? It's a one-to-one relationship. Personal interaction, personal information sought. Exactly what is it that you want me to do for you? Tell me your needs. Tell me all your needs. I'm here. I've stood still. I've brought you to me. And now I want you to pour out your heart because I'm at your personal disposal, willing and able and ready to be merciful to you. Oh, and Bartimaeus, he didn't beat about the bush. He went straight to the point. Lord, that I might receive my sight. This is it. This is the nub of my problem. He poured out his heart to Jesus Christ after this engaging invitation. No hesitation. You see, Bartimaeus knew that his Redeemer was standing before him. He realized that his Redeemer had stood still, that he tarried, that he was waiting to be merciful. And he would cry, and he would cry, and he would say, have mercy. Take me out of my blindness. Enable me to see. And there in verse 52, we have the Redeemer healing the blind man. He did indeed show mercy. He'd heard the cry. He'd engaged this man. And he showed mercy. In other words, he answered his plea. He answered his repetitive, persistent cry. Do you have a burden for your conversion? 
Do you have a burden for your soul? Do you realize that you're spiritually, that you're that spiritually your eyes require to be open? Well, if we can speak reverently, we might say that the Lord Jesus Christ is standing still here tonight, and he is hearing your cries. But if you don't cry out, you'll just pass by again. Passing by in the preaching of the gospel. The encouragement in this miracle is that if you will cry out, he will tarry. He will give you every encouragement. He will engage you. He will engage you through his word. He will engage you in the preaching. He will engage you through prayer. Because this is a prayer. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What a prayer to have. You see, the devil will want you to think that there's some great theological thing that you have to do for salvation. Have mercy. Have mercy on me. And for this man, that prayer was answered. Thy faith hath made thee whole, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Is that sufficient mercy for you? Oh, surely it is. Surely this is sufficient mercy for all of us, for the poor and the blind, the helpless. That what this Redeemer did for blind Bartimaeus, what this Redeemer has done for every saved sinner here, he can do for you. And his mercy is not diminished. He's no less merciful for showing mercy to you than he was than when he showed mercy to me. We see fourthly and finally, the beggar's response. It's a wonderful picture. Surely a, even a picture to move the hardest of hearts. Outside the walls of Jericho, immediately he received his sight. And what's the first thing he sees? He sees Jesus of Nazareth. That's what he sees. When he's crying out for mercy, he's in complete darkness. By faith and the power of Christ, he immediately receives his sight. And his eyes are opened, and there before him is his Redeemer. And the Lord's people will know what that's like. The first time you see the altogether lovely one. That you've not been able to see for all your dark, blind days. And when he opens your eyes. Oh, what beauty is in him. But the beggar's response is twofold. We might say there's a, there's a response before and there's a response after. And the response before Christ focuses us on verse 52. He tells us what's involved in this response. Thy faith hath made thee whole. 
Blind Bartimaeus didn't just go crying for mercy. He went in faith. There was faith from the start of this incident to the conclusion of it. And that's what God requires. Saving faith, to have faith in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? In its simplest terms, it means that Jesus has the power to heal you from your spiritual blindness. And you have to believe that. You don't need to write a theological thesis on faith. It doesn't have to be great faith. It can be the smallest grain of faith. And even if you don't have the smallest grain of faith, you go asking for faith. That's his response. This man can heal me, and I believe he can. And I believe he will. And most importantly, I am willing to receive that healing. I am willing to receive the mercy of God in Christ Jesus. But look at his response after he received his sight. We're told at the very end of the chapter that he followed Jesus in the way. He wanted to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not told anything else about blind Bartimaeus after this. We're not told how long he followed Jesus in the way. But he wanted to be with the one who had opened his eyes. It's only natural. If you've been in darkness all your life and someone opens your eyes, you want to be with that person in thankfulness and gratitude. He wanted to learn more of this Messiah, of this Redeemer who had restored him from his helpless blindness, who had given him newness of physical life. But spiritually speaking, what this means is he became a disciple, the disciple that we spoke of this morning. He embraced the doctrines of Christ. He trusted on him for his salvation. He submitted to his rules for life. He lived a life of grace. He was completely changed. He was no longer a beggar outside the walls of Jericho. And so, not just with the eye of the body, but with the eye of faith, he followed Jesus. He may have stopped following him physically, but he never stopped following him spiritually all the days of his life. And surely that is what you desire this evening, because that is what the Lord's people desire for you. The world has nothing for you. Nothing at all. There's many in this building who've tried everything. And they will all add their amen that all is vanity and vexation of spirit. A converted man will follow Jesus Christ, and it won't be hard to see that that person's life has been totally transformed by the power of Christ's mercy. It should be very obvious, and it certainly was obvious 
in blind Bartimaeus's case. And so we conclude. We ask a very simple question. Blind Bartimaeus followed Jesus in the way when his eyes were opened. Who are you following? And what way are you walking on this evening? Where are you heading? Blind Bartimaeus knew absolutely where he was heading. He knew where he was going. He was following Jesus Christ all the way to heaven. And to get to heaven, you have to be able to see Jesus. You have to know the way. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So are you following him on that way? We are told that heaven is filled with a multitude that no man can number. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. We don't know the number, but we can say this. There's room to spare for you. If you will cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. There's still room and enough to spare. Jesus Christ worked a great work of mercy in the life of blind Bartimaeus, and he is well able to work a work of mercy in your life if you are a poor, blind, helpless sinner this evening. Will you not cry out this prayer? Will you not with persistence with resolve, cry out, have mercy on me. We plead with you, don't let him pass by again without crying out. Every one of the Lord's people can say, he heard me. He heard my cries. He deserved to pass me by and leave me by the wayside begging, but he heard my cries. Oh, we pray that someone here will cry out. And hear this answer, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. May the Lord bless his word to us. Let us pray. O Lord, we thank thee for that great hope that is in Christ Jesus. The anchor of our hope that has entered in beyond the veil. And we pray that some poor sinner this night would know the mercy of God in Christ Jesus, that they would indeed have their eyes opened from spiritual blindness, that they would be taken out of bondage, out of the dungeon, out of the prison house, and that they would cry out unto thee for mercy and for grace. We thank thee, O Lord, that there is plenteous redemption found in thee, that thou art as patient and pitiful as a father. And we pray that even this night there may be joy in heaven over one sinner repenting. Forgive our sins and holy things. Take us to our homes in safety. 
Oh, that the fowls of the air would not pluck thy word away from our hearts, but that we would lay it up in our hearts, that we would practice it in our lives, and that we would all go on our way rejoicing in a merciful God. Pardon our iniquities and hear our prayers for Jesus' sake. Amen.